Welcome. Welcome to Oprah and Friends on XM156. This is a special companion radio program that airs every Monday night, directly after Oprah and Eckhart Tolle's live, online, interactive class devoted to Eckhart's book, A New Earth. We're up to Chapter 6. This is a 10-week webinar, and we've hit Chapter 6. Millions of people around the world are tuning in each week. I've said it for the past couple of weeks. It's the largest classroom on Earth, and it's pretty amazing. Tonight, people called and emailed and Skyped in from around the world, from Ireland and Dubai and Australia and uh, several states in the U.S., and this broadcast and the webinar are available at any time on Oprah.com. So if you miss something tonight, uh, if you want to tell somebody, wow, this show was incredible, you got to hear it, you can tell them to go to the website because any of the past conversations, chapter one through five, are there. And you can listen to them right there or download them onto your iPod. And you can also do the same with this radio program. So if you're listening live tonight and you want to hear it again, go to Oprah.com. And on Wednesday, Oprah's devoting her television show to a new earth. And I'll be on that show. And uh, I'm telling you, the people who are going to be calling in are so moving. There's a soldier who's stationed in Iraq now who carries a a laminated card in his pocket with his favorite quotes from a new earth and there's a woman who's dying of cancer who's really had her entire experience uh, turned around from uh, reading the book and and watching the webcast all of them are using the profound and and simple but amazing concepts in this book to make their lives full of presence and peace and more than anything, a generosity of spirit toward the other people in their lives. And um, now you have a chance to call in to XM Radio, and you can speak with me, Elizabeth Lesser. I'm your host for the next hour of this New Earth After Show. You can call at 866-OPRA-XM, and that's 866-677-2496. Uh, For the past two months, I've been working with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle very closely uh, on the webcast, on the workbook, and on how to translate what's in this book into this experiment. We're all trying for the first time, all of us who are calling in and listening from around the world. This is um, something new, the way millions of people are connecting around this book. Um, Oprah asked me to do this work a couple of months ago based on what I've been doing for uh, 30 years at the Omega Institute, the school that I co-founded. We are a conference and retreat center where teachers like Eckhart Tolle and others involved in spirituality and alternative medicine and sports and arts, um, we offer their work live on our campus. And so what I've done there really has been very helpful for me to help Oprah and Eckhart create this online curriculum. And that's why she asked me to do the radio show as well. And it's been such a treat. And I'm looking forward very much to hearing from you today. So I hope you'll call in. Uh, The number again is 866-677-2496. You know, I've been traveling a lot recently, and I've been seeing people in airports with the book, and um, 
all I'll talk to people in the airports and they'll say, well, what's your work? What do you do? And I'll, I'll say what I'm doing. They'll say, what's that book about? And I bet many of you are having this same situation. People will say, what is the book about? And it's kind of hard to sum it up in one or two lines. Sometimes I use Eckhart's phrase, we are all human beings. We are human. We have jobs to do, families to raise, and that's important. But sometimes we get lost in those roles, and we forget that we're also beings, the being part of the human being. The being part is the timeless part of ourselves, the spirit part of ourselves. So the work of this book is how to bring those two things together, the human and the being. Um, chapter six, what we're talking about tonight, and when you call in, you're welcome to talk about that and any other questions you might have. But chapter six is a continuation about this concept of the pain body. And I wanted to play a clip from tonight, Oprah and Eckhart talking about what is the pain body and how is it associated with the ego? Let's listen to this. The yeah. pain body is like a little wild animal or something that's there in the background saying, okay, what situation, am I going to come out now? Is it the situation not, not right? He's too conscious. Is the pain body also your ego, Eckhart? The pain body is the emotional aspect of ego. Mm -hmm. So when you identify with the pain body, it becomes part of the ego because okay. whatever you identify with becomes part of the ego. When you don't identify with it, it's no longer part of the ego. All right, because what you identify with is the ego. Yes. And chapter six is all about how do we break that identification with the pain body so it doesn't add to our ego and we can be free of it. It's called breaking free. That's what the chapter is about. And I feel really fortunate um, to have someone in the studio with me this week to help me answer some of these questions. Um, She's the perfect person. Her name is Kim Ang, and she's Eckhart's partner. She travels and teaches extensively with him. Some of you already may be in dialogue with Kim. She's been blogging on Oprah.com, on the New Earth section of Oprah.com, and I've been loving reading that blog. And um, Kim began her spiritual journey many, many years ago, and then she met Eckhart in 1998. Kim, how did you meet Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> it's a common question that I'm asked. <laughs> well, I met him in Vancouver. Um, before I met him, just a week before I met him, I, I, of course, was on the spiritual search. And somebody, a friend of mine, said, you don't believe it, but there's, there's a spiritual teacher right here in Vancouver, living in Vancouver, and he's giving a talk this weekend. Do you want to go? And, you know, I've seen lots of spiritual teachers before, and I thought, well, yeah, possibly. Oh, and he's written this really good book. And that was The Power of Now. And uh, anyways, I thought, okay. At that time, Eckhart, his groups were very small. I think to go to the talk was only like $5 or something like that. And the book was in hardcover, like $25. I thought, well, I'll spend my money on the $5 first before I spend it on the 25 so I went, and I think he said probably two sentences. And there was a, just a very deep level of connection. And of course, that connection not was, was not to him as a form, but to the formless, to the essence of mm -hmm. who I am and what was also coming through him. 
And, and of course, he speaks so eloquently that all his words are resonating. And after the talk, I saw another friend of mine who actually is also a friend of Eckhart's, and he introduced us. Uh And that's how it sort of all began. Oh, that's a great story. I'm sure the listeners are really happy to hear that. It was great tonight when the webcast ended and Oprah was asking Eckhart, like, you know, do you drink coffee? Are you a regular person? And it was so great to hear people, you know, put spiritual teachers on somewhat of an absurd pedestal, thinking that they're not really human beings. So it's great to know you and to know you and Eckhart and to see the human in Eckhart and the human in you. Yes. Um, that That's very helpful. One of the things I love about your work is what this presence, presence through movement workshops that you teach. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Um, I use three different modalities, and that is Qigong, Tai Chi, and yoga. And of course, all three modalities, really their essence is presence. So incorporating Eckhart's teachings, which is about being aware, it's about being aware as we are in movement. Mm -hmm. But also, part of this whole evolution that we're going through, this shifting consciousness, requires a, a dissolving of old energy. So Eckhart calls it the pain body, the old emotional wounds that get lodged in our energy field, get lodged in our body between the joints, etc. And part of the Qigong raises the chi, so chi is also energy. So we raise the energy in the body, so bringing your awareness into the body, of course, also raises the chi level, the energy, which helps then push out the old negative energy and that I do through a yoga practice and it's basically called yin yoga so it's very um, it's holding poses for a a length of time minimum five minutes all the way up to could be 15 minutes and in that it it dissolves some of this the energy that's just lodged in between joints Um, when I first started doing this actually before I even found out about this practice of yoga, I was actually already doing this. My body wanted to move and it wanted to stretch. And I would break out in hives. I broke out in hives for a whole year. And I wondered, what is going on here? And Eckhart said, that's probably the pain body that's releasing. Mm -hmm. I had enough awareness where I wasn't being activated by the pain body anymore. But the energy was still lodged inside. Mm. And it was coming out. So, um... Working with the body is actually like a companion way to work with the concepts in the book. So we can actually help release attachment and identification with the ego and the pain body through moving the body. Exactly, exactly. That's really And bringing the awareness right down, getting to feel what that inner body feels like. So then you are no longer identified with the thought inside the, the mind that comes up, the, the voice in the head. And you're feeling the inner body so much so then the words that come out of you, the movement that takes place is actually then stillness moving through you. Excellent. Let, let's, um, let's go to the phones. And uh, we have Thais on the phone. Um, hi, Thais. 
Hi, Elizabeth Lesser. Thank you for um, talking with me, or, or at least answer, trying to answer my question. You haven't heard it yet, but uh, you said we could go back to other chapters. We didn't have to go right on Chapter 6. So I want to address a, uh, something that's on page 26 and then something that's on page 159. So that's Chapter 2 and Chapter 5. And what it's concerning is uh, when um, Mr. Tolley mentioned labeling, and it just, I don't know, it just kind of hit me between the eyes when I thought about it, because at a very young age, that was something that was pressed upon me, and I and I hear everybody when they're talking about they're talking about their wives doing things, and they go, well, you, it's all about you, and you have to concentrate on you and other people when they become awakened. You know, that takes care of that, but all you can do is take care of you. And, and I'm trying to look at it that way, but I'm not sure. But what it is is I'm Native American, and all of my life I'm labeled that or questioned about it, or, and I'm, like, so tired of it. I tend to run from it. And that in itself creates within me a pain body that I really have not figured out how to deal with as old as I am. Um, could you give me an example of um, what do you mean by you're labeled? Do people actually come up to you in the street and say you're, you look different? What, what is your heritage? Give us, tell me um, uh, and briefly just how this happens. Okay. Uh, the first time it, it happened, because that's the, really the biggest shock that came to me, is I, I went to a private school, and everybody there was some. I, there was Dutch, there was Thai, there was Japanese, there was you know, and I. But we never thought of ourselves as as that. But a group of people came to me and said, "What are you?" And I went, "What do you mean?" I didn't know what they were saying. They go, "Well, you know, who's your, who are your people?" And I'm, I didn't know what that meant. And my dad had never explained to me, you know, that where my heritage came from, and I never thought of myself as different. So, so, I, so how does, how is it uncomfortable for you? What, what, why is it uncomfortable when someone asks you, what is your heritage? What comes up in you that doesn't, that you don't want to, um, to answer that? Okay, well, yes, I'm asked continually. It's just always, I've, I can be sitting in a park reading, and people come up and they go, we were just wondering, and the minute they say that, I already know what's coming because it's... And so what bothers you about that? I know it happens, and, and um, I'm not making light of that, but okay. I just want to know what bothers you about it happening. Okay, what bothers me about it is a lot of times they try to, when they, now I know it's been more popular about understanding Native Americans or whatever, but a few years before, there was like, oh, then there would be this sympathy about, oh, we're so sorry about what happened to you. You know, and I kind of had not even addressed that in myself. It took me years before I read Trail of Tears, cause, and then I never really finished the book because it was so sad and disheartening to me. But it was just that they would put, like one time was, uh, somebody said to me, oh, you're Native American. Well, I thought, don't, did you live on a reservation? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of a slam. I was like, no. You know, like I belong somewhere other than where I was. Okay. Okay, so let, let me try to um, answer what you're saying, and uh, I think I understand what you're saying here. And then after I say a few things, I'd love to hear from Kim, because I bet you have something to say based on your own experiences. Um, well, you know, <coughs> a really interesting, I have very interesting experience this weekend because I was at the um, 
80th birthday party of Dr. Maya Angelou. And I was um, just so excited to be in a room uh, with people whose racial pain body, just like you're talking about the pain body of Native Americans, how, how there are many racial groups, Jews, African Americans, Native Americans, who the identification with that uh, experience can, can have a heavy pain body. But it was just amazing to be in this room of people who were celebrating their heritage with such joy and, and a sense of um, freedom. They were, they were identifying with it, but they were free of the identity at the same time. They weren't denying it, but they weren't, um, it wasn't a painful expression. And I do think that there's something for all of us to find pride in our heritage without being um, attached to it or attached to the pain body of it. So I, I do think there's a way for you to find a balance between um, not always uh, feeling that you're being attacked or labeled when someone's curiosity is, what's your heritage? For you to maybe look into your heritage and find some pride about it and joy and identification, and at the same time, letting go of it. There's a, a, a balance there that I feel maybe you want to do some work on, because you can't control the people in the street who are going to come up to you. They're not attacking you. You don't have to take it personally that they're doing something against you. They're curious people. Maybe they're inappropriate. But it would be interesting for you to kind of do some introspection about why is this upsetting me. Kim, what do you have to say about that? Yes, I think so too. Um, I would ask you, because you are reacting. When somebody's coming up to you, there is a reaction. Whether you say it out loud or inwardly, there's a reaction. So immediately, that's your signal. That's your alarm clock. Okay, what's going on inside? Because it's, it's, you're reacting to more than just the fact that this person is saying, what are you? You know, what, what's your heritage? So go deeper inside and just dialogue with yourself and, and just ask, okay, well, what is really bothering me? Yeah, okay. Um, I, and I have tried to do that. In fact, after the situation happens, I always go, I wonder how I could have answered that differently. And a lot of times I try to get around it because they'll say, well, what's your nationality? And I'll say, well, I'm an American because I really don't want to address it. I know that sounds Okay, Ties. And, and then they'll go, no, where do your people come from? And I go, well, I was born in California. And then, you know, the, and then they'll eventually go, Tice, well, instead of trying to think about what you should say, so in other words, prepare again through the mental labeling in mind and answering through the mind becomes still be the stillness and from that stillness when you're listening to them and they're asking that question you're just being still feeling the inner body and out of that state of consciousness the right words will come so thanks so much for calling and um i want to hear from lots of you kim and i would love to hear from you call us at 866 Oprah XM. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah, what, what do you want to talk to us about? Well, I was interested in talking about when Oprah and Eckhart were, were discussing the abandonment and the pain body 
with the the caller's question. And the issue was the father had left and the little girl was trying to please be a people pleaser and Oprah was relating. And I also have a similar situation. I'm um, a mother of one son and his father is out of our life. And I see him being angry or maybe too angry sometimes about maybe someone having trying to have a little authority with him and his response is I'm sure a pain body but I was trying to think about well what if that's just normal five-year-old behavior Mm. (laughs) or is he having a reaction because or is it deeper because he is angry Mm -hmm. and I'm not really sure right if there's a way to tell the difference or if I if I can go like look for some yeah it's it's a great great question I remember when my I have three sons and when they were little I was always trying to figure out is this because I'm a single mother or would they be like this and comparing them all the time to other children and um, gosh it would have been great to have been reading this book during that time because it doesn't really matter in the moment when he's having whatever reaction he's having, the why of it. It's really more how you are with him in that moment. I love all the work that Eckhart talks about in the book about parenting because it's really about um, being present with your child no matter what is going on and no matter why they're having the reaction they're having. When we are just with our children in the moment and not trying to make their pain going go away and not trying to make their behavior be different, but just being with them, real miracles can happen. Kim, you want to add to that? Yeah, that's primary. The primary is your, your consciousness. Be with them in beingness, not judging, not labeling, not trying to fix or change anything because you're, the child is going to, he has his own emotions about it, and they have to be expressed. You want to give us um, an, an example, one more example, so we can really get in there with you? Something happened the other, we were at um, our church yesterday, and he wanted a stick. <laughs> and the person in charge of the group was taking the, the children on a nature walk, and he wanted the stick, and she thought it was dangerous, and he didn't want to put it down, which he's, in my care, allowed to have sticks and walk around with them. And she thought it could be dangerous, and he basically got a little violent, and I wasn't there. I was in our service, and I, I'm not really sure. I We apologized, and then I thought, well, that's kind of a mixed message, and mm-hmm. she never took care of him before, but I've seen him have these little bouts of rage that are like a, t- a tantrum in a way, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want I don't want to, like, tell him he's wrong because he's allowed to, to do something at home mm-hmm. but at the same time can you ask him have the boundaries <laughs> you know can you ask him why perhaps I mean how come you had this what happened okay yeah like draw it out of him it's never a bad idea in a still moment usually not exactly when it's happening but when it's passed by to really say let's talk about that experience 
um, actually not to do it too far into the future because kids right. really have the marvelous capacity to be like the duck in the story of last week. When something's over with them, they flap their little wings and they let it go. So uh-huh. just after it's happened, just to talk to him and maybe to relate to him something from your own life, your own issues when you don't get what you want and what you want to do and how you work through it. It's great to tell children stories about yourself so that they see the human being in you. So you relate to the being in him and you also share your humanness with him. So thanks a lot for calling. I hope that helped. One more question I thought of while I was waiting. All right. How do you separate from the story of being a single mom or Mm. the child that the father left? Because I had that happened to me too when I was little so Mm -hmm. I've always felt like someone was pitying me because my mom had to work so hard to raise my brother and I and I just didn't like living that story but I still am 40 and I still feel that kind of all right Kim just talk a little (laughs) let's 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 hear very briefly from Kim it's applicable not just to the story of me about me being the child of a single parent it's just how do we let go of the story of me that we're carting around from childhood and we're 40 and we're still living in that story. Mm -hmm. Well, with awareness, if you're aware that you have the story and the moment that you become aware, that's your moment and your opportunity to choose, okay, I'm not going to go there anymore. That's old. That's an old story. It's not who I really am. And find out for yourself, what, what are you invested in this story? Like, do you get some sort of, you know, reward in a way for it, more attention? So be willing to let go of the story and just fully be present. So it's not, if you don't go beyond the story, you won't get to your true essence. And that the true essence is what wants to come through you. That's, that's why you're here right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that the story of the intact mom and dad family as being the right way, that's just a story too. So don't be trapped in the story of perfection that you didn't get and now you're not creating for your son. Just live your best, most exuberant life with your son. Millions of people are doing a single family and doing it really well. So just walk bravely into your life without looking behind you how anybody else is doing it. Yeah, and remember single family or even dual family is is a concept. It's who... How are you relating in this moment with your child? Thanks for calling, okay? Um, You're listening to A New Earth After Show. And um, uh, in 30 minutes, you're going to get to listen to Marianne Williamson's Course in Miracles show, which um, I hope you'll stay tuned to. And now we have uh, another caller, and we're going to be answered by myself, Elizabeth Lesser, and my guest this week, the wonderful Kim Eng, Eckhart Tolle's partner and someone who is steeped in this work. We're so happy to have her with us. So, Angela, I'm glad you're calling. Welcome to A New Earth After Show. What's your question for us? Hi. Thank you for, for taking my call. Um, my question is, is um, I have a, a son. He's, he's, I adopted him. He's not my biological son. And um, it's kind of emotional just, just getting ready to answer this question. But I see a lot of his characteristics of his biological mother who's active in her addiction. 
and um, I was once active in my addiction of disease and for uh, for quite some time, and I'm in recovery for I've been in recovery for 15 years, and I see a lot of the characteristics. In it. And I guess my question is whether the disease of addiction is that just like the pain body. Mm. Um, great question. So many of our listeners are probably so glad you asked it because addiction is so prevalent in mm-hmm. human beings, in our culture. And um, uh, have you been reading uh, the parts of the book where Eckhart talks about letting go of addictions? Uh, is that in the beginning? Because I'm, I'm on the, the fifth chapter, so I'm not sure. Yeah, you're, you're about to get to it. I want to play okay. you a, a little clip, and then we're going to get really into de- more detail about you and your son, because it's brave of you to ask, and I thank you for asking it. But let's um, listen to this clip. Um, oh, actually, yeah, let's listen to this clip where um, I think it might have some interest for you about releasing addictive tendencies. I had a heavy cold a couple of weeks ago. Yes. I didn't take anything, but some people take things to, so that the symptoms are suppressed of the right. cold. It doesn't suppress the cold. The cold is still there. So. Why accept it? It's because it is here at this moment. So it's part of bringing this inner yes to whatever arises in the present moment. It is part of becoming friendly with the present moment, even if on the surface the present moment doesn't look that great. So this is where the awareness begins to come into the emotion. If we bring acceptance to whatever we feel at this moment, rather than not wanting to feel it, The equivalent of that would be an external situation that arises, and then I resist it because I don't want this situation to be as it is, but it already is. Mm. So I played that for you um, for two reasons. One, because um, letting go of addiction is, um, is this capacity to not resist what's happening, this this big friendly yes, but also around your son. You see this pain in him. You see that he may be repeating what went on in his mom's life. And there's so much terror in that and so much grief, and you're afraid of it. And on top of whatever he's inherited, he's also feeling your anxiety about it. And mm-hmm. so adding to what he already has is is a sense of like, oh no, is this going to happen in him? So I just want to invite you to, when you're with him and you see those tendencies arising in him, to not resist what you see happening, but um, to do that, that wonderful inner yes that Eckhart says, just in your whole atmosphere around him. What, what exactly do you see happening in him? Um, I, I see a lot of people pleasing. Um, I, I know he has a lot of anger built up in him, um, a lot of aban- abandonment issues mm. um, and neglect. Um, I've had him ever since he was a baby. Mm. So, but he's he's had the the opportunity to ha- spend some time with her, but he has this hate relationship towards her. He doesn't see her anymore. But in the very beginning, when he was when he was younger, he did have uh, visitations with her. But now um, I've totally I have adopted him, so she has no kind of 
relationship with him whatsoever. But it's still kind of it's an ongoing thing mm-hmm. because um, he doesn't want to have anything to do with her, and she still tries to um, put pressure onto him, sending him birthday cards and and uh, Christmas mm-hmm. cards and stuff like that. So, and every time he goes through something when she sends him something and, yeah. and like throws it away. Yeah, it, it awakens the pain body in him. And um, first of all, I just want to say what you are doing for him is so wonderful and so much stronger than what what she can do. The love that I can hear in your voice and the care is so huge. I just want you to feel that and to, to feel strong in your capability to help him free himself from that pain body. Your love is going to cut through so much of that. And I just want you to feel that and know that about yourself and, and feel proud mm. of that and let that be um, what you give to him with, with great confidence and confidence in knowing that that's the antidote to his, to his pain body. Yeah. Kim, you yeah. want to say something? Yeah, the space. You be the space for his pain body. Yeah. And in that being the space, which is love, is transmuting the pain body. He, he's learning from you. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to say one, one, one more thing? You want to say anything uh, else? I, I, um, it just, it just, it just hurts to see him suffer like yeah. that. It, that's the mother's, that is the parent's pain to see our children suffer. But, um, that, as, as Eckhart said tonight, Oprah read from him saying that some of the greatest human beings in history are the ones who had the greatest pain body. So because he's suffering doesn't mean that doesn't suffering in childhood then equals a terrible life. That is not the equation. That's not the way it works. If you can just stand with him when he suffers and create the space, as Kim said, which is love, and not panic around his suffering. I did that a lot with my own kids as a single mom. There's a panic around their suffering, but that doesn't help them. If you can just have this space of of, of deep wisdom that life is suffering, you're going to get through it, and I am here with you. I've got your back. That is going to help him use the energy of the pain body to actually awaken Big pain bodies can create very awakened beings, so have faith in him. Have faith in his ability to use what he's going through to become a great being, and you're behind him, and I know that that's his greatest ally, and, and I just thank you so much for calling. Um, Mary, <coughs> you're on the line now. Welcome to this global dialogue. Thank you for calling. What do you want to ask me and Kim? Well, I, my husband and I, we, we argue a lot. Um, he's He's been unfaithful to me, and um, we fight in front of our children quite a bit. And, you know, I've, I've commented to him many times, I don't want to fight in front of the children. I don't want them to hear or see that. And, you know, it's stupid fights. It's not even serious fights. It's, it's just like last night, um, I was on the phone with my mom, and... I told him, or he, he, he come in and he, you know, just very mad, very angrily said, what, are you on strike? Because I hadn't fixed dinner yet. And typically, I, I cook most of the time. Um, I do all of the household chores pretty much and everything. But he was so angry, and he drew me into that fight. And, and then I got so angry, and, and I just 
my question is, is how do I control myself that I, I don't allow him to pull me into these trivial arguments? Mm-hmm. If you're not able to stay present enough while he is going through his pain body attack, the best thing to do is actually to leave so that you don't get triggered because you, you need to watch out and look out for yourself. In fact, when you do that, you actually may be giving him a gift. That was the gift that Eckhart gave me. When my pain body would arise, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, he's human, he's a man, yeah. and you know, you can only take so much. And when, when I'm present, he can stay with me. But if I'm totally lost in the pain body, he would walk out that door, which would infuriate me even more. However, though, in the long run, it was a wonderful gift because it left me with myself and the pain body that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Only you can transform your own pain body. You can't transform somebody else's pain body. I love that answer, Kim. That's really good. And let's let's hear um, also what Eckhart has to say about how to release the pain body grip because I want to say to you, Mary, that um, I pray, my, one of my biggest prayers is that parents would stop speaking angrily in front of their children. If this book could do anything for the world, it would be that people would understand that to, to um, take their arguments away from their children. It's such a, a painful thing to do to them. So let's, let's listen to what he says about how to release the pain body grip. So the important thing is to catch it as it first arises in the first, because before it takes over your mind, when it's there as an emotion, and usually it's the pain body when the emotional reaction is out of proportion to the triggering event. So a relatively minor thing triggers an enormous amount of unhappiness in yeah. whatever form. That's right. A small thing happens and you flare up. Yeah. Yes. And so then and after a while you realize the kind of situation that triggers your pain body. And then you can be actually more vigilant when such a situation happens. And you can see a uh, very important thing is to be able to have some attention inside your body, which is bringing consciousness into the body. Because if you're able to bring consciousness into the body, you can more easily feel an arising emotion inside you, whether it's a very heavy emotion of deep sadness or whether it's a fiery emotion of anger or whatever it is, or the emotion of intense fear, that contraction. There's so many people these days who are completely out of touch with their emotions because they li- live only in the yeah, head. Yeah. So being able to feel an emotion as it arises and then recognizing it as the beginning of the pain body. So, so Mary, um, uh, when your husband starts to go into one of these rages attacking you uh, and you start to feel something rising up in you that wants to attack back, what Eckhart says, to feel that emotion. Just know that that's happening and stop yourself. And if he keeps going and doesn't relate to your stillness, I think Kim's suggestion is really good. Sometimes you just have to remove yourself from the room with the kids. And if that infuriates your husband even more, you're going to get, that's a big message about your relationship and your marriage. And, um, but really, that's the best you can do. Okay? 
Yeah, I've actually done that. I've um, left and taken the kids on a hike or something, and he just keeps calling and calling the cell phone, just trying to keep it going. Yeah, so then you don't answer? And and when you come back and things have calmed down more, you try to have a conversation and say, I don't want to engage with you anymore at that level. It's harmful to me and the children and to you. And with a lot of love in my heart, I'm not going to do it anymore. And just do that over and over and see what happens. And good luck. Thanks, Mary. Um, uh, Kim, there an interesting email came in. And uh, it's from a woman named Deirdre in Nanaimo, Canada. And um, I think a lot of our listeners will relate to this. She says, I've been reading Eckhart's book, and I stumbled upon your broadcast, and I'm gradually experiencing more joy and peace in my life as I learn to practice being present. However, in the nighttime, when I'm meant to be sleeping, that's when I feel myself becoming obsessed by compulsive thinking. I go to sleep easily, and then I wake up in the wee hours with my mind in full tilt, and it's so hard to turn it off. And this seems to be anxiety-related because it gets worse when stress is higher. And I am committed to kicking the anxiety habit. And I'm hoping that um, if, I, if I'm more present in daytime, maybe this will improve my nighttime anxiety attacks that wake her up. She'd appreciate any advice. What do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night, your mind's racing, you can't get back to sleep? Go into the body. Feel the inner body. That'll take the attention away from the thoughts and into the body. How do you feel the inner body? So you're lying there. You're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm awake. I want to be asleep. i got to get up early. How do you feel the inner body? So it's like going into a meditation. You first start with feeling the breath because that's right there. You can always, you know it's there. So bring your awareness to the breath. Then bring awareness to the body, so you may not be able to feel the inner body right away, but you can feel some sensation because anxiety causes contraction in the body. So you want to feel the tension that's in the body, the contraction. And without labeling it, because your mind will come in and start labeling, oh, I'm so tense, oh, I'm so tight, oh, I don't want this. So there's resistance. You just drop all the labels and feel the sensation. Mm. And then when you feel the sensation of what I call those are the outer layer sensation, tension, tightness, pain, then you go into the inner body, and that's a more an alive feeling. So if you don't feel it, you can try just your hands. Feel it in your hands. Mm-hmm. So you can keep your hands up in front of you. Make sure your hands aren't touching anything, and just feel. And mm-hmm. ask yourself, how do I know I even have hands? Mm, so suddenly you're not in your mind anymore. Mm-hmm. You're in the body. And your voice, just as you were talking it, I I wanted to go to sleep. It was so soothing. (laughs) Could you come over? (laughs) Okay, we have Alyssa on the phone. I believe that, um, I bet there's a lot of people who are going to be able to relate to your situation, Alyssa. Welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. How you doing? (laughs) Great. Great. (laughs) That's good to hear. Um, My question is something I'm kind of afraid to come out and, um, you know, admit, but I deal with a mental illness called schizoaffective disorder, and uh, it mixes aspects of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, and my question is one, I, I have problems in the middle of the night, usually, where I'm dealing with hallucinations and extreme mood shifts, and I was wondering if it's actually a 
physical reaction, some uh, a, a pose or something I could do, yoga pose or something I could do to change my state of being to bring awareness back to my body. Wow, that's a, that's a lot like the question we were just dealing with, so I guess that's in the air tonight. Mm-hmm. Kim, you want to go a little farther into that? It's really important for you to go into the body then because it's so easy to be just keep on going with the story in your head or with even images that arise in your mind. All that is the world of form. Now, if you go into the body, although that too is a form because you have the energy of the body, but it'll get you out of the thinking mind. So keep focus on the body. And sure, I mean, you can, you can do some movement because that'll get you right into the body again. Elizabeth, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, is that helpful? Yes, it is. But I was wondering, I used to study yoga. It's been a long time. But can you think of a specific pose maybe or something I could do physically to distract myself and yet focus myself into my, get back into mm-hmm. my being and, and away from the emotion uh, pain body that I feel? Right. Well, it's first of all, it's important not to get too attached to fancy poses and thinking this will do it. Oh, maybe that will do it all. It. I think the simpler for you the better. This idea that Kim was talking about of just being very, very still and feeling the life force in your hands, in your arms, and and feeling the aliveness and the stillness and the simplicity of your body that's always there for you and that is much um, more dependable than the mind that's moving so quickly in you. Of course, there are wonderful yoga poses. You can go to a class and and um, in the middle of the class, if one pose really, really appeals to you, make that your pose for the next two months and do that one. But there's really nothing. It, you don't have to get too special and fancy about it. Um, so I suggest take a yoga class, find a pose that you love, and make that your practice for a while. Thanks a lot for calling. Um, we have... Cole on the line. Hi, Cole. Hi. How are you today? We're great. I guess it's this evening. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys taking my call. Um, I just have, I have like a comment slash question with, I've been, I've been following the book and I just love, I love everything that you guys have been doing, especially you with the after. It helps so much. Um, I've got a very difficult past past. I'm only like 24 years old. I've had multiple surgeries. I've had brain surgery, two heart surgeries. I've had a lot of bad things happen. And uh, it seems like everything just keeps crashing me down. And I really appreciate the book and everything because it helps so much. But I was wondering if you guys had any, you know, little, little boosters, I guess, for me, just because, I mean, when I had my first surgery, I actually lost my fiance. She left me because of the brain surgery. She didn't think I was going to survive. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's a really rough deal for me because it's been a long, long time. It, it was about five years ago is when I had the brain surgery. So, so Cole, tell me what's What's your favorite part of the book? Like, what do you keep coming back to that you really love? Um, I think the whole book is just excellent, but 
just recently, the the last two chapters have just really just like hit home for me. And what really, in particular? What in particular? Like if somebody said to you, "Tell me one thing about this book you love." What's what's really helping you? Okay, well, um, there's the the monk story, which was I think they they talked most of it about on last year last week's mm-hmm. uh, where the monk. Uh, you were still the one the, monk was mm-hmm. still carrying right the other uh, yeah burden. right so one monk uh, had they'd been walking together and the monk carried the woman across the puddle and then he right. put her down and then they kept walking and the other monk said like five miles later you know you shouldn't have carried that woman monks don't yeah. carry women and then and then that monk said, yeah, well, I put her down five miles ago, and you're still yeah. carrying her. And what would you love about that? Uh, well, I just loved it because it was w- what Oprah calls a awakening moment. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting it, you chose this, this particular one to remember. So I ask you, are you still carrying? What, are, what story are you still carrying? Well, I think, I think me personally, I'm just I, I've I've got over all of the surgeries and all the stuff that I've had, but it's the fiance. I just can't mm. let her go. I mm. mean, it's really hard for me to to trust another person and give myself to another person. Oh, so many of us have that go on with us, and and I thank you for bringing that up because I'm sure a lot of people out there can relate to that. Kim, how do you let go of someone who's hurt you, and how do you open your heart again? By accepting what is. The form of this moment. She's gone. Okay, there's that empty space. You feel whatever emotion comes around, because no no matter who leaves you, they're going to leave you. I mean, whether your, your partner leaves you when you're alive, or when they're alive, or when they die. There's always going to be some form in your life that will leave mm-hmm. you. So you need to just go right into that, that, that emptiness. Whatever you're feeling, you accept what is the emotion. Loneliness, anger, whatever it is that is arising. That's the number one thing. Before you can transform anything, And also, comes Cole, acceptance. Cole, I hear you taking her leaving you very personally like a vote against you as a human being. She left you because there's something really wrong with you. And um, that's what I'd love to see you let go of. Like, I'd like you to put that down, like the monk put the woman down. I'd like you to put down the idea that there's something inherently wrong with you, and that's why she left, and to stop personalizing it. She left for whatever reason she left. It has just as much to do with her as you. And when you put that down and don't personalize it anymore and you just be the human being that you are, another person is going to be so attracted to that because you're going to be loving who you are. And then you'll move without thinking into that new person and um, you'll, you'll finally put the burden down. And I hope you can do that. Thank you for calling. Um, Vicki, Vicki's on the line, and I love this question. You want to know uh, what to do with an entire classroom of pain bodies. <laughs> Tell us about that. What's your, what's your life? What's your work? Well, I, I teach first graders, and I teach around 20 students at a time. But I 
you know, I see little boys, especially they're pounding on each other at recess, and and they just they just seem to have a lot of anger inside them. And specifically this year, I feel like I've had it more so than than in past years. But and then after I listened to Eckhart Tolle's um, chapter five on XM the other day, and I recognized my own pain body, I thought, well, that's probably why my my little my little babies are experiencing you know, all this anger in their little lives because mm-hmm. you can't ask a first grader, why'd you do that? They said, I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it just came out. And so wow, I you, thought, well... Yeah, you, you have quite a job there. You have probably one of the most important jobs in the world. It's always amazing to me that um, plumbers are paid more than teachers. I just really honor your job so much. And I think you, in a way, answered your own question. And we're coming to the end of the show, so sadly I'm going to have to wrap this more quickly than I'd like to because your work's so important. But as you said, the more you can be in touch with your own ego reactions and pain body, the more you can disidentify from your own reactions to the kids while it's happening, the more you're going to help them by modeling a way of being around stress and difficult situations. Your question really deserves more time. Sorry, I have to wrap it quickly. Maybe we can talk again another time. Um, I wanted to, uh, before we end, play a clip from tonight that I really love. And I love that Oprah and Eckhart got into a story not only about our personal lives, but what's happening on a collective level. So let's listen to this clip. For us now, we have arrived at this critical point where humanity, if humanity does not embrace this new state of consciousness, the awakened state, then humanity is not going to make it. Uh, On a cosmic scale, even that doesn't matter. And whatever gain there has been achieved in the awakening of consciousness on this planet is not going to be lost. There's only one consciousness throughout the entire universe, and that one consciousness is awakening in millions and billions of lives. And so if we don't survive as a human species? That's not the greatest strategy either. In relatively speaking, it is tragic, but in absolute terms, that's fine too. Yeah, and it's really, it's our decision. Yes. The fact that we are here at this very moment engaged in this work is a very good sign. It's a sign. Because here, at least we know that at right now, here, the awakening is happening. Yeah, for the hundreds of thousands of people who are joining us around the world. Yes. Oh, isn't that great? It's so hopeful to me that um, millions of people now, uh, not just people reading this book either. I travel a lot, and through my work at Omega, I know that through many doorways, uh, humanity is trying to wake up, and we are at a critical point. So thank you all so much for being part of this heartfelt effort to transform our own consciousnesses so that we transform the world. Kim, you want to say one last goodbye to our listeners? What comes up is be still and know that I am. Thanks. Thanks for being with me tonight. It really deepened the program. And thank all of you for joining me on a New Earth After Show. And please tune in this same time next Monday when we'll be recapping the webcast dialogue between Oprah and Eckhart Tolle. And next week we're going to be talking about Chapter 7. I love Chapter 7. It's about um, finding out who you really are. And uh, I'm going to be taking your calls about that. 
and about anything that you have loved and wondered about and wanted to ask Eckhart and Oprah, but you haven't had a chance to get through those lines, this is your opportunity to join a conversation. It's um, really meaningful to me, and um, I hope so to you also. Coming up, Marianne Williamson, who will be teaching and speaking about A Course of of Miracles, and um, I'm Elizabeth Lesser. And you are listening to Oprah on, and Friends on XM Radio. And it's been a real pleasure. Um, join me next week and call me. Uh, maybe you can be ready n- next week with the telephone number in hand because uh, I think a couple of thousand people have been trying to get in tonight. So maybe you can keep this handy. 866 Oprah XM. That's 866. 866- Six seven seven two four nine six. Thanks again. Have a wonderful week. Good night.